the bank. Hey, Brett, how's it going? Good, Ange. How are you? Pretty good. Well, that means it's another week of Money in the Bank, the podcast where we talk about all things related to personal finance and then some. So, do you know what we're talking about this week? I never do. Well, good. So, your trivia question will be based on the topic. So, hop in the time machine and go back years and years ago to our first anniversary together. So, I guess the first question is, you remember when our dating anniversary is? We have like four anniversaries and you made them all up. So, it's sometime in September. Yes. And do you 25th. Know- Yes, it was the 25th. And do you remember what we did the first September we were together? I went out to eat, if I had to guess. Well, we celebrated on the 25th, but before that, we did something very special for the whole month, and we called it something. Um, Fondue. No, that's what we did on the 25th. What did we call the month? I think we did... For a month? No spend September we do? Yes. We do that every year. Yes, but but we, we I think it's really cool that we did it like even the first year we were dating. Like we didn't try to impress each other. We we're like we're gonna save all of our money and then we're gonna go eat fondue and eat so much that we can't physically make it back to our apartment. <laughs> right. Which is awesome. Um but I wanted to so by the time this podcast is released, we will be firmly into September. And I think it's a great challenge for everybody to do because we've done this for many, many years now very successfully, right? Yeah, I mean, we started it because you were like dirt poor in college paying off loans or not even yet paying off loans, right? Well, I had just gotten out of college. Anticipating loans. And I was saving my first big emergency fund now that I actually had like a lot more expenses on my own. Yeah, and so it was a really good good time in our lives to kind of like take that, you know, momentum and apply it so that we were like saving money. And so there's a couple things I want to talk about with No Expense September. First of all, I want to talk about how we do it and what we do. And then also in this episode, I kind of want to cover when you should start talking to your significant other about finances. I know we've talked a little bit in the past about how to start merging finances, but I think even before you're ready for that step, we could talk about, you know, like how you have those conversations or when's the right time to bring it up. Um, So let's go back to No Spend September and just talk a little bit about our rules because we don't want anybody to get in trouble with their credit card companies, right? So we do recommend paying all of your bills still, right? Oh, yeah, of course. What does that have to do with merge? Oh, I guess you're going to merge or use the same credit cards, right? Yeah. Same bank accounts, same credit cards is the direction we're No, going. no spend September criteria. Oh, yeah, of course. So definitely, yeah, definitely pay all your utilities, your credit cards, um, all your regular expenses, your fixed expenses, right? Well, I guess your credit cards are a variable, but pay those off, yes. Yeah, and so we, yeah, we always did like, all of our, you know, main expenses we could pay, like rent and utilities and cable. So that was like fixed. But then areas where we really tried to reduce was like groceries. Um, this was a little bit harder the first year I did a no spend September because I had recently moved to Chicago just a few months before. So I didn't really have my pantry built up yet, right? Like I moved to the city with no food. And so 
it wasn't like I had all this food that I could just eat. So I gave myself a very modest like grocery budget to stick to that month. So that's one approach to handle food is to just be like, this is how much I get. And we did not go out to eat at all until we like celebrated our anniversary, right? Mm -hmm. And so kind of this, you know, this year that we plan to do the same thing of we will not go out to eat at all for the month of September. And anything we do, like entertainment wise, needs to be free. So um, we're not just going to go grab drinks or anything like that. Like it's, we might go up to the park or, you know, maybe we'll go and like find like a free concert or something. But entertainment and like going out to eat is totally off the table. Obviously, we're not like advocating for you to starve. So if you have to buy groceries, you need to do that. Fortunately for us this month, I'm going to give us the added challenge of not even buying groceries because we have we are lucky enough to have a CSA, which is community supported agriculture. So we get our fruits and vegetables once a week and we've already paid for this. Right. We're, I mean, we we're like hacking the model because we we have a ton of like we still have part of our pig that we bought last year. We just got 15 chickens like two months ago that are in our freezer. And yeah, every week we get vegetables from our farmer. Exactly. So, yeah, if we spend if we have to spend money on groceries, we're definitely doing something wrong. Exactly. Not everybody's in that situation. Correct. So, I mean, you can you can be in a similar situation by like meal prepping in advance if you're going to do it for even three weeks, right? Because this, I mean, I think this podcast is going to release like the first week of September. Yes. So if somebody wants to like follow along and do it for the rest of the month, then like, yeah, meal plan, go grocery shopping, get stuff that you know you can have, and then just only live off of that and don't go back to the grocery store again. Yes, that's the big thing is to like, or if you set a budget, you know, I think when I was um, doing this the first time, I was living on my own still. Brett and I haven't hadn't moved in together yet. And so I set a budget of like $100 that month for groceries. And I stuck to it. And I couldn't spend more than that. So that's a good way to do it is to set a budget no matter what your budget is. Uh, but the other thing I did want to throw out there is although we are in a unique situation where we have all this meat and all these vegetables coming in, I think a lot of people have well-stocked freezers or well-stocked pantries. So why not challenge yourself? Maybe you can't make the whole month, but maybe you could go one week without grocery shopping just by eating like crap you forgot about in the bottom of your freezer. Right, yeah. Eat, eat it all down. See what you have. See what you can get creative with, right? Um, by mixing different things together. And yeah, just you'll you'll be surprised at how far you can stretch that stuff. Yeah. I know the first year we did it, Brett was trying to do that a little bit more because he had a well-stocked pantry and a well-stocked freezer. And you ate a lot of hash browns and black olives that month. That's right. Yeah. A lot of green olives one day. That was a bad decision. Yeah. But, but you know, we don't necessarily recommend making yourself sick like Brett did. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think I've seen... you. We've all seen those freezers where you, like, open the door and you couldn't fit one more thing in if you tried. And it's, like, TV dinners and frozen pizzas. So, like... Eat that crap up, and if you didn't like it, then don't buy it again, right? But get it out of the house. This is a good month to do that. Um, and then it's really good because we're kind of in the time of year, at least here in the Midwest, where we're, you know, our produce is really coming in, like tomatoes are finally coming in, and peaches and all this stuff. Well, that just gives you more room in your freezer to freeze, like, applesauce or berries, right? So it's a good time of year to, like, get the jacks eat that pizza, right? And then you you make room for maybe other things that you want to get later. Right, because there are, right, buying food and making it yourself can be cheaper than buying Jack's pizzas. Exactly. Right. Well, and I think buying food in season, we just got so many pickles 
Um, and it costs us what, maybe like a dollar fifty to make up each quart jar of pickles. Yeah, so many pickles. So, so yeah. yeah, maybe we should do a pickle giveaway. If you're a listener <laughs> and you really like pickles, email me. We got you. Um, but yeah, so we have pickles, we have peaches, we're doing tomatoes. And that really kind of helps us as well get through like winter months with a lower grocery budget. So some good hacks there. Yep. All right. So I think we covered the criteria of no spend September. So truly, I want to challenge everybody. I know you're kind of catching this the first Monday of September. It's not too late. Um, You know, put in the grunt work this week, kind of figure out your plan. And then for the last three weeks of September, really hit it hard and try to do this challenge with us because I think it'll be a lot of fun. We do, we've literally done this every year. It's one of our like favorite things to do. We kind of look forward to. Right, it's, I mean, it's it's easy to do. It's easy to accomplish, right? It's a, it's a challenge that you can set in front of yourself and you can win um, without very little effort, but it's a, it retrains you or it untrains you to just like always go to the grocery store on the way home yeah. or, you know, always just go pick something up or impulse buy stuff, right? Well, I think the biggest thing with our generation is it trains you to stop using the one-click feature on Amazon that is so freaking convenient, right? Because I know the fir- even the first year we did this, I had just moved into my first apartment by myself. I was really excited to decorate it, and I was ordering stuff off Amazon all the time. And so this way, I had to basically just make a wish list of like, oh, this is what I want, but I can't buy it until October. And by the time October rolled around, I didn't really care about buying half of it anymore. Right. That's that's what happens to everybody to all the time. Every story I've ever heard like that. Yeah. If you wait like three weeks to buy that product again, people are like, I don't need it. I mean, I've done that myself too. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's the real benefit of No Spend September. You know, it's not necessarily about the groceries. Definitely pay all of your other bills. But it's like those little one-off purchases that you don't even realize. You know, another thing that was really powerful for me the first time I did it I was, you know, living in a bigger city and I was studying a lot and I was getting a lot of coffee. And when you are like, oh, I can't just pick up a coffee on my way to work, you know, it makes you just make it at home and take the cup with you or drink the free coffee in the break room, even if it's not the best, right? And so it's it's even the little things like that or like, oh, I'm just going to grab lunch today because it's easier. Like, no, there were times that I was like, I ate breakfast but looks like I'm skipping lunch because I forgot to pack it this morning and like I'll just eat more for dinner right so it's there's kind of all these things where it really does retrain you and reprogram you to get better about a lot of your habits and I think that's why we really kind of look forward to doing it every year it's like that one month of a year that we get a really good reset on the bad habits that we might have developed over the last 11 months that we don't even realize we developed because it comes so slowly yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly right. So, all right. So, yeah, we challenge all of you, participate, and you can do your own version of it. You know, maybe your version of it is one week in September without spending money. You know, whatever it is, you do you, and either way, it's going to be powerful. So, then the second thing I wanted to cover is when to talk to your significant other about finances. So, um, I actually got an interesting email recently about a guy he is 28 years old and he was talking to his current girlfriend about potentially getting married someday and they have been together for about two and a half years and then she dropped the news on him that she had over two hundred thousand dollars of student loan debt still so he was obviously a little bit taken aback because he didn't know that about her 
and kind of asked for like my advice on what to do in that situation. Um, and after a lot of good back and forth, you know, um, the biggest thing it came down to was communication, you know, talking to his girlfriend about what their current goals are, if they're on the same page with potentially saving more money going forward and paying off the loans as quick as possible, right? There were a lot of like key topics there. And it kind of just inspired me to think, well, you know, they were, you know, over two years into their relationship and she, she didn't feel the need to tell him yet because they were still just dating. They didn't have more commitment. But at the same time, he was like, well, I wish I would have known because obviously, you know, if I'm getting ready to propose to somebody, then I want to feel like I already have the facts. And I think that's like a really extreme example. But honestly, I think it's really good to get on the same page with your significant other kind of as early as you feel comfortable financially, because finances are actually the number one reason for divorce. So, you know, Brett and I, I would say we started talking about finances extremely early on in our relationship because for a little bit of backstory, we started dating my senior year of college. And like any college student, I was broke as a joke. Meanwhile, Brett was living about four hours away in a in, in Chicago, so a bigger city, making like a real income, right? Like you had a stable salary, 40 hours a week job. And I was like so poor, but I was the one with the car. So I would come up to visit you a lot or I would go down to pick you up at the train station about an hour away. And it got to be, you know, I always kind of worked over the summer and then budgeted out how much I needed for the school year so that I could work pretty minimally during the school year. So adding this new like gas expense to my life because I drove a Mustang, which was awful with gas, um, it made it so I didn't really have the budget that I needed. So I started donating plasma. And I remember like one day, probably about a month or so into our relationship, you were down for a visit and I was like, okay, I gotta go run out you know, do some stuff real quick, but I'll be back in a little bit. And I came back like completely ghost white, looked like I was gonna pass out. And you were like, what the hell did you do? And I was like, oh, well, I was giving plasma. Now for a lot of people, plasma is fine to give, but for me, I just had like really bad experiences with it. And you were like, please stop doing this. Like, if it's just to afford gas money, like I can chip in for that. Right, I mean, if you are donating plasma or you have ever donated plasma or if you wanted to, Please do so. It is a thing people need to have. There is a reason they collect it, right? It is right. A, just like collect donating blood, right? It is an important thing to do. You had a bad experience with a terrible nurse in one particular place in a podunk town, right? Well, and in <laughs> and, general, I'm like, I, need, like, I have other medical conditions that makes it much harder for me to give blood and even plasma, right? Right. In so. that, But in that particular circumstance, they like... Missed your arm three times, and then they tried the we other arm. We don't need to get into the gory details. It right. was really bad, yeah. <clears throat> Terrible. But, okay, so moving on to the finance side of it, like, at that point, that's when we kind of started talking about, you know, like, what makes sense, who should pay for what, and we kind of arranged it early on where, like, if we were, if we were going out to a nice dinner or if we were going out to a dinner anywhere in Chicago, like, you kind of picked up the bill... And you paid, you know, you would chip in for gas when I came up to visit you. And if I had to pay for parking, you usually helped me cover that. And then I would, you know, also chip in for gas. And then um, if we were going to like a cheaper place or if we we're going out to eat in Muncie, then I would kind of pick up the bill. Right. 
And I, yeah, I would pay my train because a lot of times I took the train down to Indiana, Indianapolis and you had to come pick me up. Right. So I definitely paid my train bill and your gas that night, right? Yeah. And so, but that kind of prompted us to talk about finances early on. And I think what was important to note was it's not like I was like, oh, I can't afford to pay for gas to come get you because I am blowing my money in these other areas. Like, from spending time together, we kind of saw like we were both, we both had frugal tendencies. Like I was legitimately just trying to pay like my utility bill and my groceries. Right. And it's not like I was like living large or wasting money. So you were like willing to chip in for gas because it's not like I was like taking your gas money and going out with my friends. Right. So, um, that, that really, I think helped that we had kind of common ideals. Uh, and then, I would say from there, kind of once we like broke down those walls, it, it became easier and easier for us to discuss finances and kind of what my plan was after school. And I think at, around that time, I mentioned to you that I had student loan that I wanted to pay off very quickly. And but I think I think the most important part of that is, I mean, one, it's probably a different circumstance than a lot of our listeners because ours was like a long distance relationship, right? So we had to come up to a mutual dis- mutual agreement and had a plan together that was mutually beneficial to both of us. And we both were like, it's totally fair to do this, right? I don't feel like I'm getting screwed by paying for like all of your gas, right? I have the ability to do so. I want to see you more. I understand your financial situation. Yeah, you're not blowing your money on the weekend and then just saying, I don't have any money to come see you, right? Because you're bad with your finances, right? It was, I was totally real realistically okay with it whereas like you know i i had some friends in chicago and like the girl would spend money like every night of the week to go to the bar and then complain that she didn't have any money on the weekend so that her boyfriend would have to pay for everything that they did together right like that was not beneficial to him he was totally getting screwed in that scenario and maybe he agreed to do it but he was like probably like okay sure but not happy about it on the back end right you had it won't work Unless you are both like actually benefiting from the scenario and are happy with the arrangement, yeah. right? Whether you're long distance or not. And I think another key thing was you were also willing to kind of do the cheaper alternative if like that's what I could afford. And if you wanted to do something more expensive, you kind of understood that you were probably going to have to make up the difference for me. So, you know, like a lot of times when you came to visit me, we would cook most of the meals at my house because that's what was affordable to me. So I was like, I'll handle your food when you're here for the weekend, but you know, out of the five meals we're eating, four of them are gonna be at home. And if you wanted to take me out, you know, one more time that weekend, then it was usually your treat because you kind of understood like, this is what she can afford. She can afford to take me out for pizza one night. And if I wanna, you know, take her out to the Thai place, then I'm going to have to, like, chip in for that. Right. I mean, like, very rarely did we go to, like, the fancy sushi restaurant and get, like, the black edamame that was, like, super delicious. Half the time I was like, we're going to the all-you-can-eat sushi place that's really inexpensive and it's BYOB and don't eat don't eat all day because, you know, we're going to gorge <laughs> ourselves for dinner. Right. Or, yeah, I mean, there were, there were a lot of cheap options as well. But I remember, too, a lot of the time... When I came up to Chicago, something else that I kind of did to help you save money was you didn't have a car there, so I would drive you to the grocery store so you could get, like, two weeks of food. Oh, yeah. So even even while when I left, like, you still had cheaper food for a while. So I I would like to say that, you know, there was a lot of offsetting there as well. Talk about packing your freezer full. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, so then the next big thing I remember is, well, I was moving to Chicago and I remember like talking to you quite a bit about what my budget for an apartment should be. So I remember having like much more open conversations at that point about like, this is kind of what I'm going to be making. This is how much my student loan debt is. Like, what do you think I should be like targeting for a rent price? Because I was coming from like middle of nowhere, Indiana, paying $250 a month in rent. So I was really nervous to spend a lot. And um, I think at that point, like I really kind of let on most of my financial picture so that you could kind of assist me in that area since you had already been through it. Right. Then just a couple years prior. So yeah, I already had the market analysis in my mind of what it was. And it didn't change that much in the two years that I had been there prior to you. Right. And so, yeah, I knew what a great deal was in an apartment in kind of like the two or three mile radius of like where I currently lived, yeah. which also was coincidentally where you were looking as well because you liked the neighborhood. Yeah. So that was kind of like a big step because I think at that point, like you knew what my financial situation was and you knew where my debts were. You knew I was motivated to pay it off. And, you know, that that kind of probably gave you a lot of confidence that I was like on a similar financial path as you. Right, because the most impressive thing when we were out looking at apartments for you, you know, the realtor took you to some like pretty nice places that were just like a couple hundred dollars a month more. And you totally shot those places down and went with like the much shittier place. (laughs) It was that Uh, I loved my Chicago apartment. (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, it was great. Um, When the air conditioning was in the closet. Um, But... Right, but you you shot that down because you said it like it wasn't the right financial decision for you to like pay the two hundred dollars more a month for the nicer place, right. and it was more important to you to like keep it closer to like a thousand dollars a month, right, or eleven hundred a month, than like twelve thirteen. Yeah. Right. Well, and you know, at that time, my student loan payments were right around two hundred a month, so I was looking at that as like I could make a double loan payments if I don't go with this apartment, right. And even though I didn't live in the most glamorous place, I was in a great location. Um, The other ones were, you know, not in my ideal neighborhood, which I feel like you always watch HGTV and they're talking about this ideal neighborhood and you're like, oh, shut up. Like this other place is only like a mile away and it's, you know, about the same price and it's so much nicer. But like in Chicago, a mile away can get you from like a very nice, awesome neighborhood to like kind of sketchy. Or just there's nothing there. Yeah. Like you could be surrounded by like a car dealership and like a... Like an auto parts store and like a rundown grocery store and liquor store. Exactly. And there's no like restaurants. There's no, right? There's nothing there. Yeah. So. So, yeah, you know, I think that was kind of, I think that whole process was good for Brett to kind of see where my financial goals were. And then like literally kind of since I met Brett, he was very open about talking about like his buckets because that's how he referred to saving money. It was like he was filling up buckets. And I remember him telling me early on, like, you know, because I was always, I always felt bad that he paid for a lot of the gas and his, you know, trains to come see me. And he was like, don't feel bad about it. Like, that's why I have a vacation fund. And I like, put aside money every month to fill up this bucket. And like, that this bucket's actually full. So like, this is my vacation for the next year is like coming down to see you. So um, that kind of showed me very quickly that he was good at saving money to accomplish the goals he had. And then I remember another big milestone was the summer I moved to Chicago shortly after I was apartment hunting. Um, we had always, you know, we used Mint. I think Brett might have been the person who told me about Mint. 
And so I started using it my senior year and he, you know, like we set up goals and we were very open about like talking about what was on our mint and what our goals were, which again is another really great way to have that conversation is like, oh, do you have this app? If not, you should get it. And look, you can set up these goals and like, here's what my goals are, right? Like that's a super like easy way to have this conversation with your significant other if you're like worried about having the talk about money is like make it fun and make it, you know, a game or whatever. And, but I remember like one of your goals was to save up an emergency fund. And I remember like how proud you were the day that like you got to show me that Mint sent you the email that was like, congratulations, your emergency fund is full. Well, I mean, one that's, a, that's a, also a relationship building technique with each other is like, if I can help you achieve goals that I know are important to you, I want to help enable you to do that. Right. And so, yeah, I've been, I've been using Mint, I think since like, the first like six months it came out as just a website before smartphones even existed. Right. And yeah, I, I was keeping track of my, my money. I had my different checking accounts set up at my credit union and I had like different buckets, right. One for vacation and like, I was going to save for a new car and like my emergency fund and like three other ones. Right. And yeah, like six or seven plus my regular checking account and savings accounts. And so I was like, yeah, I was really proud of my buckets. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, helping you like kind of set up like some of the goal oriented tools or tracking your expenses to, in order to manage that effectively. Cause this was even before really credit cards had that feature on their website. Like you didn't used to be able to go to like your credit card company's website, log in and see a full transaction list of all of your purchases. But like it wasn't a thing before. So Mint was actually recording like a lot of that stuff. Um, as soon as that data became available. And so that became super powerful once that was like um, something you could go look at. And it would aggregate it from different places, from your bank account, from your credit cards, from you know all the different credit cards that you had, right? So super powerful, adds all that data, dumps it directly into your goals and really, really fast and, and easy to like quickly look up to see if you're on track or overspending or if you have extra money floating around that you want to put toward, again, like you said, double paying on your like debt from college. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, I think we've covered most of the stuff. So I guess to answer... The question, when should you start talking about finances in a relationship, our opinion is basically as early as possible. I think we really need to kind of like end the whole idea that talking about finances is like taboo or forbidden. And like, you know, we were, we even actually just had dinner with some friends and they were asking about our 401k contributions. And our one friend was like, you know, I wish this was stuff people talked about more often. And me too, right? Like I've always actually been very willing and open to talk to not just my significant other, but my friends about my finances and my decisions and the goals that I'm saving for right now and how much I'm putting in my 401k because this shouldn't be hidden, right? This should be like stuff that we're okay talking about so that we can support each other's goals and help each other out, right? Right. And especially because I was waiting for you forever to like surpass me in your income so I could just like retire and have the sugar mama take care of me, right? Yep. So how's that going for <laughs> still, you? Still waiting. Still waiting. Uh, all right. So that's the big thing on the relationship front is talk about it. If you're with somebody who doesn't want to talk about it, it's probably because they're nervous or embarrassed about something in their picture. Anytime you have debt, it is this horrible sinking feeling and it's hard to talk about. But if you just go into it with like loving and support and be like, I'm willing, you know, like 
be willing to help support them in their debt payoff journey. And if that means like more nights in watching Netflix and you know eating PB&J, then so be it, right? Um, but the sooner you can have these conversations, the sooner you can get over those hurdles, right? Yeah, I think uh, I think it shouldn't probably be the first thing you say on your first date is that I have two hundred thousand dollars in debt. But right, I mean, don't don't be trying to hide it. No, but I would say yeah. within a few months of dating, right? Like um, it, it's it should be apparent. Like, hey, I'm I'm trying to save money. I have friends grown up my since high school that I've always been like very conservative about, about like hey, I want to stay in and buy my own booze and not go out to the bar every night, right? right. It's way more cost-effective, and, like, I'm trying to be my more conscious and, and a good steward with my money, right? right? And so you should that you should have that ooze from you, right? Yeah. People because should know. otherwise you fall into this danger. Like, if you're trying to impress somebody and you're going out and you're living this high lifestyle to attract somebody, then that's what they're going to keep expecting. But if you just kind of, like show your true colors right away, then there's nothing you're hiding, right? right. You just are your who you are. And um, now this is getting kind of cheesy. Right. But. I mean, but don't try and... If you're trying to, like, date somebody, don't be a high roller in the club, right? right. Buying, like, a $100 bottle or whatever. Because you don't want to maintain that lifestyle. Right. But also, you know, don't necessarily be, like, the super... Only get Cheapo water. tightwad that, like yells at your date if they get something other than water or like you know if you have to compromise right relationships are all about compromise so find that balance but also don't be afraid to you know talk about finances and make it a concern because sometimes when people want to continue doing expensive things they don't realize that you're just trying to save for something else and that's why you're reluctant Mm -hmm. so and on that note talking about not being a tightwad Hopefully you don't have any dates in September because it's no spend. So well, set up a picnic, you know, eat what's in the pantry, bring that to the picnic, go on a hike somewhere. There's plenty of activities you can do that are like, don't cost anything. Exactly. And usually still, we're still in a time of year where it's still nice and you can find free concerts around town or free street festivals. And yeah, then make them dinner and, you know, grab a bottle of wine off the shelf and, if it's been sitting there for a couple months, even better, because you can say it's vintage, right? <laughs> That's right. Always have a always have a couple in stock. All right. Well, thanks, guys. As always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to drop me an email. I will put all of my contact information in. And thank you again. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.